Hey, you're listening to Mom, Wife, and Boss Life, where we have unfiltered conversations. I am your host, Yolanda Villa. Today's guest is Rachel. Rachel has a master's degree in clinical psychology, is a mother of two, and founder of an online parenting academy. Rachel, thank you for being here with us today. So tell me a little about your background and how you got into clinical psychology. Um, okay, so I actually started in the corporate world after college and did that for a few years and then just realized that I really was interested in the people part of the corporate world. So I eventually decided to go back and get my degree in clinical psychology and actually thought I was going to be a neuropsychologist. That's what I was preparing to do. But then um, at some point in the graduate school degree, I got my master's degree. And right before I got my PhD, I actually got pregnant. We were trying, but we didn't expect it to happen so fast um, and then dropped out. So I never quite finished my PhD, um, but still took everything that I was learning you know, in neuropsychology and sort of put that into my current business, which is helping parents. And how has this helped you in your business? And I know you're a mother of two. Um, I'm a mother of two, a seven-year-old and a almost 13-year-old. And it is very hard to deal with the business, still try to parent. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're tired. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I end up like I have more work that didn't get done. So I'm tired and I know that I still have more to get done. Um, but yeah, that I think that is the life. Although I find that when I'm better at time management, that doesn't happen. I find that that's happening. I'm, I got I to gotta rein in my time management skills. So I'm not also working at night. What tips do you give to us, you know, moms that we're trying to do it all? Um, I have a hard time trying to, especially with my oldest, trying to parent him in the sense of, I don't want to be too hard on him, but I'm also not always around to parent him. So how, what tips can you give me in that sense? I think the easiest thing is just to have a parenting North Star I mean, to know what it is, and I really recommend doing this when you're not in the moment, not in the moment with your child, know what are your parenting values and figure this out ahead of time. And then in the moment, you're really just implementing because I, I say this all the time on my own podcast, when we do in the moment parenting, we're often making a decision from a place of emotion, like, oh my gosh, I didn't spend enough time with him today. So, okay, I'll let him have candy for dinner. Like we make these decisions that aren't consistent with our values because we're parenting from emotion versus parenting from our values. And it's interesting. Those are two different parts of our brain. Our values live in a different part of our brain than our emotions. So if you can have a plan ahead of time and then just follow that plan in the moment, you're going to feel a lot better. And it also makes decisions much easier in the moment too, if you already have a plan. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Cause sometimes I feel like that, like you say, I feel guilty and I'm like, okay, should I? he knows he doesn't have screen time during the week, yes. but it's like, I want to give that to him because I'm just. <laughs> right. And we don't want to parent from that place because then later we realize, oh, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And it has like negative, you know, negative impact. So if you can make those decisions, not out of guilt, but start with your values and then just follow your values in the moment, no matter what emotions you're feeling in that moment. And what do you recommend with the kids and letting them know their parents have a busy lifestyle and things like that? Because I think that's right now hardest with my seven-year-old, mm -hmm. letting her know, giving her independence and her knowing that, you know, I, I mom's working, mom's doing this. Absolutely. So I think seven is a great age. Actually, it's, you can have her sit down with your calendar with you 
and see, show her, even if it's just, she's not going to understand what you're doing, but seeing the different colors, maybe seeing this color means I'm with a client. This color means I'm working on marketing and tell her what marketing is. I have a seven-year-old too. So I know exactly. I mean, my daughter loves talking about stuff like that. So just, you know, show her what your calendar looks like and really importantly have at least one block on there that has her name on it and show her exactly how she fits in. The other thing I recommend is that if you do have to change that time with her, you walk her over to the calendar and you say, hey, I can't do our time at this time this week, but we're going to move it to another time. So you show her that she's just as important as anything else on your calendar, if not more important, and that because that time matters to you so much, you want to make sure it gets moved to another really important time for you. I appreciate that. I'm definitely going to do that because with her, it's harder to let her know, hey, we had this planned, but I have to switch it and see her face get a little sad. I'm like, oh my gosh, it breaks my heart. Yeah, but if you then reschedule it and literally let her see that this time to me is important, I want to reschedule it, that can help her feel a lot more. It's just, the reason they get so upset is because they feel like they're less important. And all we have to do is show them that they are important. And that's something also, show them that they're important. Don't just tell them that they're important. And doing something like that calendar shift is one way. I always give parents lots of ways to do this, but it's one way to show her that she matters to you. And that's ultimately all she wants to know. Right. And I get a lot of listeners talk about trying to do it all. They're tired. They don't know how to manage it. What are some tips or, you know, that you teach other parents on how to manage it at all? That's such a great question because one of the main things I do obviously is teach parenting skills, discipline and things like that. But the other huge component of what I do is help parents feel less overwhelmed and frazzled. And I learned this because I can give you all the parenting tips in the world, but if you're overwhelmed and frazzled, all it's going to do is make you feel worse for not being able to implement those tips. So we have to start with our overwhelm and our frazzled. So what I always say too, is that if you are overwhelmed, very honestly, feeling that way is often about two things. One, not prioritizing or prioritizing everything as equally important. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. And we're often prioritizing based on what people are going to think of us if we don't do something. So I actually sit down with parents with all of their priorities and help them or all of their to-dos and help them prioritize and not having to get everything done. Because the second piece of that is that when we let go of something, it's uncomfortable. It's, if it were easy, we would all do it. So I also teach parents how to handle the discomfort of letting go of things. Because if we don't let go and we try to do everything and we manage everything equally, we will always be frazzled. But we learn to prioritize and let go and deal with the discomfort of letting go. That's when life completely changes. And our emotional space is so much bigger. Got it. So you're saying put some stuff, letting it go, delegate to other people. And then, and that's the first step in trying to get your life into control. Yeah. So if we were going to do this step-by-step, step one is write down everything, everything that you have on your plate. Step two is to prioritize based on your values. Step three is learn how to, it could be delegating, it could be eliminating, it could be systematizing, and you probably talk about this to business owners, find systems and strategies, so there are ways to get rid of it. And then lastly, step four is just to deal with the discomfort that happens when you do that. 
I think that's that's one of the most important things because I do talk about that, about delegating, about writing your schedule down and prioritizing, but it's it's easier <laughs> said than done. I know there's a business part of it, and I know you you know you teach parents on how to deal with children. How is it that you have that experience? But like with me and my child, they're very different. My son is more quiet, more calm, and I had to learn to try to get his voice to come out and speak up for himself. And my daughter, on the other hand, she's just happy, loud, and it's it's and then. I have a hard time trying to meet her in the middle of not knowing the, the, the crossing the line between, <laughs> you know, parenting her, but not also letting her be herself. Yes. How would you deal with that? Well, what so there's that? a strategy that I teach that actually relates to another question you asked earlier about your kids, but really we do have to find that balance between being firm and saying, Hey, this is the way the world works, daughter. You need to know the way the world works, but also to your point, being respectful and understanding who she is, understanding her point of view and what will work for her. So if she's a loud child, if she's a spirited child saying, these are the boundaries, let's find a way that works for you within these boundaries. Because I realize that this is who you are. You still have to meet these boundaries. That's the firm piece, but we're going to make it work for you. So for example, I also have one child who's really shy and she never said hi to people. When, she, when people said hi to her, she would just completely ignore them because it was hard for her. Mm-hmm. So I had to find that balance between, well, I want her to say hi, especially because everyone knows what I do for a living. And so they'll be like, Rachel's a parenting specialist, but her daughter's rude. <laughs> so I was like, I need to teach her how to act. But um, her personality is such that it's really hard for her to say hi. So we actually had a conversation about this is what's polite and this is what's expected. How can you make this work for you? And very simply in this case, she figured out that she could lift her eyes up and wave at someone. She just didn't have a voice quite yet. So she found a strategy and I didn't come up with that. She did. She found a strategy that met her personality, but also fit within the boundaries that we set. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, I had that trouble too with my son trying to, I'm, I'm, you know, I used to do real estate, you know, we have companies and we meet with a lot of people. So it was hard for me to let him know, you know, the same thing, say hello, be polite. We're around a lot of people and I know it's not your comfort zone, you know? So it's just getting him out of there. But my daughter is like, it's the opposite, but it's the same thing because ultimately what you want to do, and I love the statement you just make, I, you made, which is, I know it's not in your comfort zone. That's a very respectful thing to say. So if you say, no, it's not in your comfort zone and we need to make sure to be polite. So since it's not in your comfort zone, let's find a way that works for you to be polite. So yeah. you're really being respectful of this is who you are, but you're also being firm in that we still need to teach you the way the world works. And I believe this is how we raise. There are a lot of kids out there that are pretty entitled these days. And the way we raise kids who are not entitled is we do have to have firm boundaries, but we also have to be respectful that they need to find a way within that boundary that works for them. Got it. Yeah. And I think that's something that my husband and I, when we first you know, had the kids was we don't want them to be entitled. We want them to be respectful, but it's just even us right now, you know, in business and things like that, how do we make sure they're walking that thin line between being respectful and knowing what we do as, you know, as a company, as, as a business and as a family. The absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting that when you do say these are our priorities as a business, as a family, that actually creates a sense of belonging, especially if they want to be part of your family because you've really strong relationships. When you say this is what we do in this family and they're happy to be part of the family, they actually are more likely to want to do it. That's a great way to build internal motivation. 
So, you know, we say in our family, we do things, my last name is Bailey. So we do things, this is what Baileys do. Baileys are polite. Baileys are, um, we speak up for ourselves. And what we also do at the same time is we do really fun daily activities so that we're making deposits into their desire to be a Bailey. And then when we say Baileys are polite, they actually want to do it because they're like, oh, I like being a Bailey. This is what I'm going to do. So I like that you have that culture of your business and your family. And if you teach your kid that and, and you have a good relationship, they're going to want to do that. What tips would you give me right now? Because I think right now my son's going into that teenager oh, yes. stage, which is terrifying for me. <laughs> uh, what tips do you have in me communicating with him and just oh. trying to be a parent, but also kind of a friend, you know, have his stress and things like that? So I actually do a lot of workshops. I speak in schools of all ages, and I do a lot in middle and high school of how to get your teen to continue to open up to you. So the biggest advice I have for a parent of a teenager is you can, your emotions cannot be bigger than his, whether it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion. So let's say he says something happy, like, um, you know, I really like a girl. You know, you don't want to say, you do, that's so exciting because your emotions are bigger than his and he's going to shut down probably. Or if he says, I bombed that test. You don't want to say, you did, you bombed that test with really big emotions. Teenagers can barely handle their own emotions. They don't want to take on ours. So they tend to step back when our emotions are bigger than theirs. So that's one really important tip with teens. The other thing to just keep in mind is that kids, teens really want respect and control. So the more age appropriate control you can give them, it has to be age appropriate. And the more respect you can give them, meaning do listen to them. Even if you think they're crazy, (laughs) still treat them with respect. Don't say that's crazy because their friends are treating them with respect. And if you are not, and their friends are, they're much more likely to listen to their friends than to you. So you actually want to still treat them with respect, even when you don't agree with them. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, definitely. I'm like, oh my gosh, I start seeing kind of him talking back, kind of wanting to seek authority kind you know figure and I'm already like oh my gosh what do I do (laughs) yeah you definitely want to give him control so one of the things you can do now that he's a teen is let him be involved with plans and even more importantly consequences so let's say you're struggling with electronics and what are the rules around electronics when is he allowed on his device when he is is he not let him be involved in the planning of the rules and let him be involved, more importantly, in the consequences. So let's say you come up with a family plan. This is when you can be on the device. Say to him, what do you think I should do if you don't follow the plan? Let him come up with a consequence. That's a very age-appropriate way of giving him some control. Got it. Okay, yeah, because that's, like I said, that's one of the things, you know, having him here and then my daughter, you know, talking about, well, I can do stuff that my older brother does it's like how do I handle that (laughs) yeah and and younger siblings will always ask that question and one of the mantras you can have to really help with that is that we don't treat our kids equally we give everyone what they need fair is not about being equal fair is about giving every child what they need so you can say to yourself and I'm to your seven-year-old I'm going to make sure you have everything you need I'm going to make sure your brother has everything he needs and you never want to compare them because they'll naturally try to compare themselves. So you almost have to undo that thinking. You are you and your brother is your brother. Right. Okay. Yes. Cause I've, I've been doing that even, you know, any, you know, screen time, whatever I always tell her, you know, 
he's third, you know, he's going to be 13. He's 12 right now. You're seven. When you're that age, you can go ahead and do that. Right now, you're seven. You have, you know, different, you know, set of roles. Yeah. And you could add to that. What do you think as a seven-year-old you can do? So focus on, because she's going to keep focusing on, well, he gets to do that and I don't. So you can say, since you're seven and you have different seven-year-old rules, let's talk about all the things you can do as a seven-year-old and tell her what she can do so that she doesn't keep focusing on what he is doing. Got it. Okay. Yes. Those are extremely helpful for me right now because I'm like, ah, <laughs> with, the, with the age difference, yeah. him going you know, into his teenage years. What I know that you have an online parenting academy. What is it that if someone was interested in listening to this episode, what is something that you offer there? So what I do in the academy, it really is access to me. What happened was um, I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot. I have a podcast. I do a lot of things. So I had a lot of people coming to me trying to work with me and I just ran out of time. So this is really the way I work with parents. So through the academy, they can access me. I do do consultations, but not everyone wants a consultation. So what I do in there is live um, trainings on different topics. I do um, live Q and A's. So any parenting question that you have, I'm going to answer it for you on the spot. I have a private Facebook group where parents can tag me any, anytime. And then what I think people love the most, what I hear that they love the most is I also send scripts and say this, not that phrases. So that, uh, and these go through email so that, and they're really quick and easy to read, but people tell me they love these. Just reading through, what should I say? What should I not say? How do I respond when my child does this? So even if people don't meet with me, they're getting all my coaching through the scripts, through the me answering questions. So that's why I have this parenting academy. And it is, um, it's also at a low price point. It's $35 a month and you get all of that. Oh, section more things. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. You need to go back to it and say, this is what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the, the bio about parenting as an exhausted parent, uh, how proactive parenting is simply and easier. What are some things that you could say to that? To parenting as an exhausted parent? Yes. So I talked about this a little bit before, but my number one tip, if you are an exhausted parent, is to stop doing so much in the moment parenting. Mm -hmm. When your kids are misbehaving or when they're upset or when they're having these big emotions, parenting in that place is exhausting. Parenting with lots of emotion is exhausting. So what I do when I work with families is I actually transform them from a reactive family to a proactive family. And a lot of busy parents will say to me, I don't have time to be proactive. And I show them that being proactive takes so much less time and so much less energy. And I can't tell you the number of emails I've gotten from my families that I've worked with that have said, oh my gosh, we have so much more time and energy as a family just making this switch to being less reactive and doing less in the moment. Doing a few things proactively makes all the difference. So you're not dealing with the sibling fighting. You're not dealing with the back talk. You're not dealing with the, I've asked my child five times to get their shoes on. And that takes time and energy to do all that. So you do a few things proactively and all of that changes. So if you are an exhausted parent, try not to do so much in the moment parenting. That's my number one tip. So I started doing schedules from in the morning, all the way to nighttime. And my kids are also kind of already, they already know what to do, what time to expect dinner, what time is homework, what time is screen. My thing with us, sometimes people will see us and they're like, they're so on schedule mm. with everything. Mm-hmm. Is there any bad things 
with that with the kids on having them because i mean on, on weekends it's kind of a free everybody you know we're not working we can you know do whatever we want we go to the park you know play with them things like that but monday through friday we're pretty much on a set schedule if yeah. you can say um i will tell you that i'm a huge believer in schedules and structure both from a logistical perspective and i do a lot of logistics with busy parents how do we make it fit it all in from a logistical and from an emotional perspective, schedules and routines are really beneficial. Okay. Kids feel more in control. They feel more secure if they know it's going to happen. So I actually help parents get onto schedules. Now, the only things to just keep your eyes open for mm -hmm. are number one, can your child still be flexible if things don't go that, if things don't go the way that was planned? Okay. So you don't want a child to become so uptight that if the plan changes, they can't handle it. That would be one drawback. If you find that your child is really, really uptight. The other possible drawback is one you already addressed. If they have no downtime, that is a problem. So these days, most people say scheduled. And what they really mean is my kids are in 100 activities. Mm -hmm. When I say scheduled, I just mean structured and routine. Structured, I don't mean correct. activities. Yeah. Right. So okay. the routine, the structure is good as long as it doesn't mean over scheduled. So those Got are two big drawbacks if your child is inflexible or overscheduled. Got it. Okay. No, yeah, because that's always my thing. Sometimes they see us and I'm like, my daughter just has, you know, dance class once a week. My son has one time, you know, piano and after school activity. But I try to keep it structured for them and also for my sanity. So I know what's going on. And there is like a huge benefit, like I said, both logistically and emotionally to have a structure and a consistency to your day. There is a, I, I highly recommend it. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you, Rachel, for your time. I truly appreciate it. All the tips that you gave me. I'm like, I was writing them down while you were letting me know. I'm like, cause between my seven year old and my 13 year old right now, I'm just trying to figure things out. Absolutely. Well, we all are. And I'm happy. Anything I could do to make any parent's life less stressful. That is what I'm here for. So I'm always happy to help out in that area. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mom, Wife, and Boss Life podcast. You can continue the conversation online by searching Mom, Wife, and Boss Life on social media or visiting our website at momwifeandbosslife.com. Thank you.